Hello there, welcome to Talking Dogs. It's a real pleasure to have you with me. I'm Graham Hall, and for well over a decade, I've been showing humans how to train their darling, but often disobedient dogs. I'm known as the Dog Father, and you might recognise my voice from TV's Dogs Behaving Very Badly. Now I'm bringing even more experience, advice, and opinions to you on this podcast, in the hope that if you're running out of patience for your pooch, you'll leave with a couple of new training tools to try. Today I want to talk you through all the things that you really need to take into consideration if you're planning on adopting a rescue dog, so do stay with me for that. First up though, Marilyn has sent me a little voice note about some issues she's having with her rescue dog Lexi. Hi Graham, my name's Marilyn, I'm 68 years old. I wonder if you could advise at all please. I adopted a Bosnian street dog, rescued from kill shelter out there when she was almost four. She's now six and a half. She was one of the most terrified dogs there and arrived here absolutely petrified of everyone and everything. I've given her lots of time and space to adjust and she's been gaining confidence in many ways. She'll even sleep on my bed now and lets me fuss her and play with her there but nowhere else in the house. She's a lot better now, but I still haven't got her on a lead or a harness without her either chewing through it or wriggling out of it. She's never been on a walk, consequently, but seems happy enough just being at home. I wonder whether I should try and force the issue rather than giving her more time. She's very gentle, adorable, and I'll never give up on her, but it would be so good to be able to get her out so that I can take her to the beach, etc. in the car. Is there anything... I should be doing that I haven't as yet. Any advice would be very much appreciated. Thank you. Well, thank you, Marilyn, 68. Uh, you didn't need to tell me. <laughs> I would never have asked a lady her age. It's funny how we always feel the need to do that because it's always in the newspapers, isn't it? Um, Marilyn, 68 from wherever. Sounds like you're doing a great job there with Lexi. Uh, you've got so far, but you're struggling to go any further by the sound of it. You sound like a really patient kind person that's lovely perfect for a rescue dog so should you force the issue of the harness i don't think you'd be exactly forcing the issue after all this time but i do get that she's a really really nervous dog and i think the fact that it's a big deal that she would go on the bed with you and play with you there but nowhere else um you know people would take that for granted really and it really tells me quite how nervous lexi is so i get that you've taken your time that's great Here's the thing, though. I'm sure she'd enjoy a walk once she got used to it. Now, right now, it's the furthest thing on her mind, I'm sure. If I could only get out there, I'd have fun. She's not thinking that. We need to move Lexi past her comfort zone now. I'm going to explain how you might get the harness or lead on her using something called counter conditioning. Now, if you think about the, the, those words, it, we're going to condition the dog counter to the way she was before. In other words, it's the opposite. Right now, she thinks that a harness or lead is a bad thing. She's got a negative association with those things. And we're going to get her to go, ah, harness, lead, fantastic, you bet. The opposite reaction. Okay, so we're going to condition her that um, leads and harnesses she associates with something good happening for most dogs the lead means going outside which is great in fact it can be almost too much of a good thing as they go bonkers in the hall that's not the case with lexi so we're going to use food for this so with the harness in one hand and in sight and a bit of food in the other hand particularly if she's hungry so this could be her breakfast we're, we're looking for no reaction so this is going to take a lot of time and it, it could be as long as two or three months doing a little bit of this every day. But, you know, one thing you sound as though you've got loads of is patience. So that's great. So 
as the harness gets nearer and nearer, you can start to sort of touch and stroke her with it. And obviously, a collar is a bit easier to get on than a harness. So if she's not pulling on the lead, that might be a better bet. But what I can't stress enough is that initially you get no reaction. So so she's hungry, it's breakfast time, you get a handful of food, you put a handful of food in the bowl, and the harness is just in sight. You're not threatening to do anything with it, right? She simply goes, eh. Yeah, harness, fine, food, yeah, excellent. We're starting to make a connection. Oh, I see the harness, my food's coming. Like, I like food, thank you very much. Now, if she was on the street in Bosnia, I don't know, maybe she was caught stray, usually food's a good bet because they learn really quickly that they've just got to eat whatever they can find to survive. So we're beginning to reprogram the brain. Sight of a harness, food. And that's then going to be sight of a harness getting closer, food, yeah, fine. The harness touches me, yeah, it's no biggie, I'm eating. So... We're associating the sight of the harness, which is previously something that was negative, with something that's super positive. She starts to go, do you know what? You can put a harness on all day long, as far as I'm concerned. If you're going to feed me, it's a good thing. Once you've got the harness or the collar on, game on. You're able to take her for a walk. Now, I think the problem is if you just sort of march her out the front door, you're going to get to the front door. She's going to put the brakes on and it's all going to go horribly wrong from there. Um, I would pop her in the car, drive her maybe just five, ten minutes, walk away, leave the car there and walk back to the house because you're walking back to safety. Now, she won't know that first time because she doesn't know where she is, but she'll start to learn if you repeat it that, oh, if I get out of the car and I walk, I get back to the house. I love it in the house. That's my safe place. Whereas if you start the walk, as you normally would, just by getting to the front door and walking away, of course, you're taking her away from safety and everything in her head is going to be screaming, no, 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 please don't make me do this. So, again, that's an easy way to, to let her in. A couple of little tips for you. I was interested to hear that Lexi came from, from Bosnia. Um, it's a country I've been to. I went there on holiday many years ago, over 10 years ago. It's not a place that many people go on holiday, in fairness. But I, I went across with a group of friends and Land Rovers, and we went off camping, and we, we took a load of kind of medical equipment over to, to help out while we went. But I read a news story very recently about Bosnian people training Malinois dogs to be mine-detecting dogs, landmines, because they've got a massive problem with landmines over there. About 10 years ago, 8% of the country potentially had landmines in it, which doesn't sound like a lot, does it, really, 8%? Except if you think, if you took 100 steps in a place where you don't know, 8 of those steps could have blown your foot off. Now, that's a big problem. Now it's about 2% thanks to uh, the, the skills of the dogs. So they've trained these dogs to sniff for hidden explosives, which don't have detonators. And as they go along, they find the spot, they freeze, and they point with their noses. And for the dogs, it's just a fabulous game because they're rewarded by a toy. Job done for them, but for the demining experts, it's time for their job to start. They get busy, clear the way. And on a working day, a demining expert can inspect an area of about 70 square metres, but a dog can cover up to a 1,000. So you can see the implications there. And what's more, these dogs are far from slapdash. In a job where a single false negative can spell disaster, no dog has ever been killed, either in Bosnia or abroad, since the start of the programme. I find that fascinating.
So, Lexi Dogs are Rescue, that's obviously causing some specific obstacles that need to be overcome. So let's have a think about rescue dogs in general and how behaviours and training might look different to if you bought a puppy. The biggest thing, of course, is that you don't know the history in many cases. Sometimes you do if you're lucky with a rescue dog, um, but the past is the past. And you're best leaving it there, frankly. You've got what you've got to work with and move on. One of the biggest problems, I think, with rescue dogs is that we, we get too stuck in that sort of feeling of, oh, bless her, she's upset because this happened. Or maybe we knew that she was abused or neglected. Uh, maybe we don't, and it's in our heads. You know, we think that maybe, you know, a man was nasty to her because she's, she's not very nice with, with men uh, or that kind of thing. And then every time you see a man coming in the street, you tend to make it worse. So the best thing you can do is leave those thoughts behind. You know, now is now. She's got issues. We work through them. So if you're taking on a rescue dog or a rehomed dog, quite often we're not really rescuing them, are we? We're just finding a new home for them. They come with issues and you should expect that. Now, you might be really lucky. You might be the luckiest person this year to have taken a dog from that particular shelter because there may be no issues at all, but you should expect things to happen. And if necessary, you know, you might need a bit of professional help or whatever, but you are going to need patience like Marilyn. And you're always following the sort of principles of rewarding great behaviour when, when you see it and not pushing dogs too much. It takes time when you've got a rescue dog with issues. My dog Lily uh, is, a, is a Labrador crossed boxer and when we first got her, she's a lovely dog, didn't have a, a terrible background by all means, but she did pull like a train. So I had to get her used to that. Um, and I heard that she pulled and, you know, well, that's fine, I'll deal with that. I wasn't quite expecting how bad. Um, I got a couple of miles from the rescue centre. I'd seen a bit of common land. And I thought, you know, on the way back with Lily, I'll go there, we'll walk her. So she's had a chance to go to the loo, you know, before I sort of chuck her in the back of the Land Rover and make the hour's trip home. Got her out the back of the Land and she nearly pulled my arm out of its socket. I thought, I've got some work to do here. And even for me, that's taken time. You know, she got better and better over a period of sort of weeks. So some things you can fix really quickly and you, you often see those on the telly other things take time which i'm also pains to point out on the telly but i think sometimes people don't don't notice that when you get a rescue dog you often won't know what commands they might know or what they've been taught in the past and that's kind of part of the fun of it you know because they can't speak to us but they sort of show us so you might say something they respond you think ah you know that word in the case of lily i inadvisedly said to her one day when i was sitting down and her head wasn't too far away from mine oh you're lovely gives a kiss um as soon as i said gives a kiss she head butted me in the face <laughs> She knew how to give a kiss, didn't know how to be gentle. There's an old adage, isn't there? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, Bunkum, says I. You certainly can teach an old dog new tricks. Would it take you a bit longer than a young dog? Yeah, maybe. But that's okay, isn't it? Uh, more and more we're seeing lots of street dogs from uh, from abroad from the eastern european countries in particular they can be really sweet dogs they are sometimes a bit funny with strangers or with strange dogs and they're often a bit funny around food and that's because they lived their life on the street you know they are pretty street wise but that meant defending yourself all the time and if you got a bit of food you defended it because it was a matter of survival so just bearing that in mind that's certainly not a reason not to get one they could be lovely dogs but probably that's the issue you're going to get one of the problems that rescue centres see with dogs is that people take them on being really optimistic, and optimism is great usually, but they're a bit too optimistic. The dog's not 
perfect in a week or two. Lo and behold, they bring the dog back. And that's doing nobody any favours. It's not good for you. It's certainly not good for the dog because they go back to the centre. And then if they're really unlucky, they get another impatient person who ends up doing the same again and again. Before you know it, this dog's had four different homes in the last six months. Nobody wants to take them on. So if you've never had a dog before, a rescue might not be your best choice, particularly a rescue that's got issues. So again, listen to what the, the people are telling you at the rescue centre. Uh, you know, there are rescue dogs out there that don't have any issues. That might be a dog for you. Puppies come with their own issues. Sometimes a, a puppy, the right breed, might be a, an easier bet if you've never had a dog before. But I don't think there's a right or wrong when it comes to choosing either a puppy from a breeder uh, or a rescue dog who's older. When you go to a rescue centre, I mean, do expect to feel as though you're being interviewed. You know, if they're asking you, you know, what's your home like? Um, you know, how long will you be leaving the dog on their own? What you, what, you know, how do you work? Do you work from home? That kind of thing. That's fine. They're doing their job. Uh, it should feel as though you're being grilled. And if it doesn't, I'd mm, uh, I'd be a bit worried, frankly. When you go to see a rescue at a centre, spend as much time as you can. Visit two or three times. And I would definitely go, think about it, go away calmly, and then go back again another time. A lot of the good centres won't just let you have a dog straight away, even if you have had your, your home checked out and all the things that they do. Listen to what they're telling you. Uh, they will always be as honest as they can. You know, the, the, almost by definition, people at rescue centres are good, kind people. They want the best for their animals. But that sometimes means, if I'm honest, that they're a bit too kind in their descriptions of the problems that a dog's got. So they may say things like, this dog has a couple of issues with other dogs, right? Translates as really dog aggressive. So you, you just need to quiz and make sure. I'm never one for suggesting being pessimistic, but it makes a bit of sense to be a little bit careful, pessimistic, let's call it realistic when you take it on a rescue dog. And, and I think that there is nothing like a rehomed dog who learns that this is their forever home. And it takes a little while. They settle down. But there comes a time when you, you perhaps sit on the sofa, if they're allowed on the sofa with you, yeah, they snuggle in and you look at them and you just think, yeah, you're home. <laughs> and that's a lovely feeling. If you'd like my help, support or thought on any particular dog behavioural issue, do send an email or, you know it by now, better yet, a voice note. And you can send that to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com. So A-V-A-L-O-N-U-K.com. I always look forward to hearing from you uh, and then I'll do my best to offer some guidance in a future episode. Meanwhile, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'd love it if you'd rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a crucial training tip. Take care of yourself and your dog, won't you? Bye for now.